Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning. You are listening to The Art of Intimate Marriage. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson. And we have been talking this last, if you got to hear last week's broadcast, you would have heard quite a bit about physiology, both uh, male and female. And so today we're going to talk about physiologically some of the sexual dysfunctions that couples experience in their marital sexual relationship. So just again, want to emphasize if you have young children or those who you feel like aren't quite ready to hear this mature content and the terminology that I'm going to be using, you may want to consider their listening ears. And if you have a background in sexual abuse uh, these specific topics can be challenging. So be aware of that. Your anxiety levels can be higher when you're hearing these kinds of details. Uh, for some of you, just listening to some of the details, you may, I'm just going to say it, you may have some arousal responses. That's actually kind of normal. God made our bodies pretty cool. And when we think, perceive, Sexual images, sexual thoughts, sometimes the blood will just go right to the vagina or right to the penis and you'll have an arousal response. That's normal. Uh, what we do with it is the part that is guided by our beliefs, scriptural beliefs or biblical beliefs. So be aware, you may have all kinds of different responses to the material that I'm going to be sharing. I hope it's helpful to you. Take lots of notes if needed and we'll go right to it. We're going to be Talking about physiological dysfunction sexually, we did discuss last time some of the myths, some of the expectations, some of the misunderstandings, and how just a lack of knowledge of these details can be what causes the problem. Today, we're going to be talking about specifically arousal, desire, orgasm, and so on, and all the different problems that come with those. One of the myths I want to emphasize that I tapped on last time that I want to emphasize today is we have this issue in believing that <clears throat> when women have intercourse with their partner, that's when they orgasm. Actually, the majority of women don't. They orgasm by their husband, either through oral sex or using their hands, and that belief that it has to occur during intercourse causes an issue because men typically orgasm after about two to five minutes. They ejaculate after about two to five minutes of active stimulation, the typical male. Well, the typical female, she doesn't actually orgasm until about 20 to 30 minutes of stimulation. So we have a slight math problem. I want to emphasize that because as we go into talking about the physiological challenges, just viewing it as a challenge or a dysfunction is affected by those expectations and those myths that all women orgasm during intercourse. That's actually not the case. 
So watch as I begin to describe these dysfunctions, watch how some of your expectations might actually be accurate or inaccurate. Some of the myths that affect your views may be telling you that something's wrong when you might be on the normal end. It doesn't mean you don't need help. It just means that you may not actually have a problem. So I also want to emphasize that throughout even talking about physiology and sexual functioning, we are guided very beautifully with the scriptures. How much does the Bible actually talk about sexual dysfunction? Not a lot. You see a bit in specifically Genesis on the closing and the opening of wombs and whether women are able to be fruitful and increase. Genesis 1.28 talks about be fruitful and increase. So that ability to be to uh, for the sperm to leave the penis and go into the vagina and actually impregnate the woman and that she has a baby, that's the fruitful and increase part, can be affected by sexual dysfunction. We do know that God has the ability to open and close wombs. That's in Genesis 25, 29, 30. Also in chapter 20, you see Rebecca and Leah and Rachel, and actually God literally closes all the wombs of Abimelech's household in Genesis 20. So God has the ability to overcome sexual functioning problems, even physiologically opening and closing the womb. So sexuality in that way, the functioning of it is mentioned scripturally. Also, it's the physiological action of having sex with someone other than your spouse, adultery. So that sexual functioning is mentioned. In Song of Solomon, you have a few allusions to not the negative problems, but to the functioning part when it talks about the lover blowing on her garden, uh, which when you actually read chapter seven, verse eight, it talks about him climbing the tree of her body and grasping the fruit of her breasts. So it actually specifically explains the exploration of the body sexually in Song of Solomon. And then in chapter four talks about blowing on her garden, which is most likely an allusion to oral sex and to arousal and to the fluids of her sexual experience. So we get a glimpse of it in Song of Solomon. And then go ahead and open to Proverbs 5, verse 18 and 19, and look at that. It talks about that her breasts satisfy him. And then the word, of course, that he is intoxicated by her. So the sexual satisfaction is mentioned in Proverbs 5 in allusion to how he feels in interacting with, playing with, touching her breasts. Sexual satisfaction is what we're going to be talking about today. Sometimes physiological challenges affect the ability to be satisfied sexually. Okay, so some little pieces of that on in throughout the scriptures. There are a number of things that affect that sexual satisfaction. Your hormonal balance and the types and the amounts of hormones in your body affects it. The brain affects your physiology sexually. The brain is uh, sometimes called the most important sex organ in the body because it actually does control how the genitals work. 
It controls vasocongestion, which is the ability of the blood to flow in and out and be held within the penis and the vaginal tissues. It controls the nerves and the nerve endings. So the brain is very involved in sex and affects how sex works. The tissues of the penile region, the vaginal region, the vulva, the whole pelvic floor are very much involved in sexual response and the problems that come along with sexual response. And so they are very involved with the hormones, estrogen, testosterone, progestin. So again, hormones affect the tissues. The muscles of the pelvic floor are very involved in multiple areas of sexual functioning and the way the muscles interact with the nerves. If they're impinging on the nerves, then you're going to have challenges. If you have tonicity, so tight muscles in the pelvic floor, it can cause problems both for men and for women. Specifically for the nerves, you have the pudendal nerve that comes down through the length of the body into the pelvic floor. And it's important if you have any kind of pudendal nerve damage, it will absolutely affect sexual functioning. So a number of pieces of your daily life can come into play if you're if you have back problems if you do have different nerve challenges if you have blood flow issues physiology in that way will affect your sexual functioning so we're going to cover some of those specifics and how they come out in male and female dysfunction the area that it can be affected for women is in at all areas both in desire and arousal and at the point of orgasm you do have some common beliefs that desire occurs and then arouse. In other words, someone's thinking about sex, they want to have sex, and then they get aroused either through thinking about it or through touching, and then with enough touching and stimulation, they reach orgasm. The reality is, though, the majority of women do not experience desire until after touch happens. So we do have this view in our culture that if someone doesn't feel desire, then they have a desire disorder. It may or may not be true. They may have a desire disorder. However, for many, it's not until they start touching. Life is busy. Kids are busy. Job is busy. And they just don't think about sexuality. And then their spouse, their husband starts becoming romantic and touching and they start having foreplay and they're in bed and it's enjoyable and then desire kicks in. That is a very common pattern for women that desire kicks in later. Basson, who's a researcher, calls that responsive desire. So that's important. It's There's this expectation that women should be, you know, if they're not thinking about sex, then they're not attracted to their spouse. And that may not be the case. It could be, but it may not be the case. The difference also in the model of how arousal to orgasm works for men and women is that men, uh, women can have multiple orgasms because they actually don't go through a refractory period. The male penis loses its, the blood flow leaves the penis and it takes time for younger men or or for men at different stages of their life, that refractory period for some can be minutes. For most, it's 15, 30, an hour or a day or several days. So the refractory period changes for men. Women don't have a refractory period. They can actually return to orgasm multiple times. So that's an important difference to know for males to females on 
desire to arousal to orgasm. For men specifically in the area of arousal, they do need physical friction to the erogenous zones. I label the erogenous zones variously. We're going to be talking about that a lot more when we talk about touch. But physically, the erogenous zones, uh, the, the basic sexual zones are levels that the, the sexual erogenous zones are what we're talking about here, that men do require a certain amount, usually most men do require a certain amount of friction to the sexual erogenous zone areas and mental and visual arousal that causes um, an emotional arousal as well. So again, you're going to have your typical male does have sexual desire, but not all men do. Some actually are more like the model I just expressed to you about women, where they don't they don't have sexual thoughts during the day. They don't um, feel arousal during the day or desire until they actually start engaging with their spouse. We do have a tip, an issue with that culturally because we think all men want sex. But there are many men who come into my office and who have a lower sexual desire and their desire doesn't kick in until things get going. So be aware of the expectation of the order of sexual interactions. The typical male, though, once desire and arousal are there, their uh, ability to reach ejaculation is automatic. It's controlled by the lower spine. It is a physiological reaction to arousal and friction. There are a lot of different things that can affect desire and arousal. Fatigue can, alcohol can, anger, anxiety, illness. Uh, Men do experience performance anxiety. And then when men get older, they do require more direct, longer, firmer touch in order to maintain their erection and reach ejaculation. All right. So those are just some general pieces. And then after the break, I'm going to go into the specific areas of the sexual response cycle and to the different dysfunctions. So for just a minute at our brief break time here, I want to address that I know these different topics are bringing up questions and you may feel a little worried about how to get them answered directly. You can directly ask me. Go ahead and send me an email, jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. And you can go on my website. If you haven't listened to the previous radio shows and you're finding this out for the first time, go on to theartofintimatemarriage.com and you will find the podcast version of the most recent radio shows. So you can go listen there. You can actually purchase my book. The link is on the website, or you can just go to Amazon. The book's called The Art of Intimate Marriage. If you're wanting to read up on these things in more detail, go grab it, read it there. Okay, that was our brief break. And now we're going to talk about what this sexual response cycle is. So it is divided into different categories. One is excitement. So this is the desire slash arousal phase. And during excitement, the muscles of your body become more tense, your heart rate quickens, your skin becomes flushed, your breathing accelerates, the nipples become hard, the blood flow goes to the genitals, both to the clitoris and to the penis, and then lubrication begins throughout the vagina. So this is a typical physiological response during desire and arousal. During the stage where you're... you're coming closer to orgasm. Some texts will call it the plateau stage of the sexual response. That's when all of these changes that you've experienced 
they intensify. The breathing rate goes up, heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up. The vagina will swell, it'll change colors, the clitoris will become, this is important to know, the clitoris becomes super sensitive to touch and will retract under the clitoral hood. The reason why that's important is I can't tell you how many couples are like, I couldn't find it as the husband's trying to explore and bring her to orgasm because it will, when it's sensitive, will go and hide and you have to spend some time exploring. Uh, Men's testicles will then withdraw up into the scrotum at that same time. And couples will experience, individuals will experience spasms to the face, to the feet, to the hands, to the rest of the body during this stage right leading up to orgasm. And then orgasm itself, the pelvic floor will contract and you'll find involuntary muscle contractions. Women sometimes feel very embarrassed about this, that their body contracts in all of these different ways during orgasm. But this is actually a part of the pleasure of orgasm is allowing the body to just experience it. The blood pressure during orgasm, again, goes up higher, rapid intake of oxygen at that time. And you'll get the whole body spasm that is the muscle tension during orgasm that occurs both for men and women. And actually for women, the uterus contracts as well during orgasm. So at the point after orgasm, then often what people experience, the blood flow goes back to normal, the body goes back to normal, the breathing rate goes back to normal. And there's a sense of well-being for most because oxytocin, which is one of the chemicals in the brain, in the body, actually spikes quite a bit during orgasm. And so there's that sense of well-being that is from that chemical in the body. Men, again, have a refractory period, and then women can actually have another orgasm. I always suggest for couples at this stage to go into what I call the Thanksgiving feast, where they're cuddling and caressing and holding each other and complimenting each other and t- saying, I love that. You were good at that. I really enjoyed that. So I, I always encourage go into the Thanksgiving feast. So what are some of the problems that come up? I'm going to discuss these in much more detail in future broadcasts, and I'm going to skim them today. For women, they'll have what you call a disorder during the stage of desire and arousal. They will express how they don't actually feel desire, that they don't sense that their body's becoming aroused. They're not feeling genital feelings. They don't have any lubrication or vasocongestion, which is the blood flow to the tissues. And that affects uh, both how they feel about sexuality, that their body's not experiencing the enjoyment, the throbbing and the tingling. And then, of course, it affects the relationship with their spouse. There can be a number of different factors affecting that. Low desire and low arousal can be affected by a uh, biological processes involving medications, by illnesses, by chronic pain. Super important to recognize that. Low desire is typically when women don't have erotic thoughts, they don't have pictures of themselves engaging with their spouse sexually, they don't initiate, they're not receptive to sex, they have a reduced pleasure in it, and then they don't actually have the sexual sensations. And so sometimes low desire is also connected to lack of orgasm. Usually, the the low stimulation is at play, but women can also feel low desire if they experience pain, if they have sexual abuse in their background, if they themselves have never experienced orgasm, medications, illnesses, all of these things, mental health issues with depression. I'll go into these in more detail, but all of these things can affect low desire for women. So let's talk about the pain. Women do experience pain either 
during thrusting of intercourse deep internally, or they experience it right at the opening, searing, ripping, the feeling of pain. The thing about pain is most of the time women are told that's just how it is. You know, you experience pain, that's normal, all women do, that kind of piece. Pain is not normal. Your brain will tell you it's not normal. And if you experience pain, then it will affect your desire level. It is important if you have the opportunity to go, if you're experiencing pain and, and, and you've gone to a gynecologist, and you've gone to a urologist, and you're not having many answers from that, go see a sexual medicine specialist. You can go onto my website and see some links to that kind of care because pain can be treated and should be treated. So women do experience pain during thrusting, during uh, entry, that ripping and tearing sensation, and Usually there's a need for medical intervention or for pelvic floor therapy. So we're going to go into that in more detail at a later broadcast. Do go on and see if there's more answers that you need. There's different names that are used, by the way. You'll hear the term vaginismus and dyspareunia for female orgasmic, female pain. So orgasmic disorders is when a woman has a problem with orgasm and they haven't been able to reach one or they've rarely had one or they've had one in the past and aren't having one now. And again, that can be due to the fact that there's just not enough stimulation and it can be due to the medication that they're on. It can be due to the fact that there's high conflict in their marriage. That marked delay in reaching orgasm or just not having one at all usually needs some specific care, either in reading materials that are helpful or going and seeing a specialist because it may be that as a couple, have, having the husband learn how to provide more stimulation can be important. It may be also that your abuse background is affecting your ability to reach orgasm. And you may be distracted. Women can sometimes have a challenging time staying in their body in the midst of sexual interactions. And so if you, especially, of course, if you have a background in any kind of abuse. If you have attitudes from your background that are negative around sexuality, that can affect the ability to reach orgasm. Okay, briefly touching on male sexual disorders. That, that one is called, it's got a nice long name, called male hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Well, some of these have really long names. My favorite long name technically for women is genitopelvic pain penetration disorder. That is the actual name for pain for women. The long name for men for desire is male hypoactive sexual desire disorder. So if you're ever wondering what the long names are, that's what they are in the diagnostic manual. For men, it means that they have low desire. They have persistent or recurrent lack of fantasies, lack of sexual interest in sexual activity, and they see themselves as deficient. So this, again, how, did, how does that get there? There's a lot of things that can affect low desire for men as well. Sometimes it's health issues like smoking, weight, illness, diabetes, their age, if they've had prostate cancer or surgery, if there's high conflict in your relationship, if they're on certain medications that cause it. Uh, if you've got blood issues, blood pressure issues, and often blood pressure medication can affect the ability um, to feel desire. If you have low testosterone, if you've got hypogonadism, that can affect desire levels. And if you deal with depression and anxiety. Also, yes, I get asked this a lot. Does high porn use affect desire levels? Uh, the literature says yes. Erectile disorder for men 
uh, goes into, of course, the either the inability to reach an erection or a difficulty maintaining that erection. And that, of course, it also can be that they can maintain a certain level of erection, but it's not very rigid. And so it makes intercourse a little bit difficult. And of course, there can be all kinds of causes. There can be physiological, which we've already hit some of those. That's eating habits and lack of exercise, poor sleep, smoking. Alcohol is a big issue with erectile dysfunction. If you drink alcohol before sex or you're drinking it regularly through the day, it will absolutely cause erectile issues. And then, of course, if you have uh, erectile issues are the first way to tell if you're actually having heart problems. You could be having heart problems. It may be a blood flow and a vascular issue. So if you're experiencing erectile dysfunction, you need to go in and see your doctor and get um, your heart checked. So it can also be due to the vascular issues that more about the high levels of fat in the blood. If somebody's on medications, it can cause erectile dysfunction. Antidepressants can do that. Also, how you're doing with depression, your self-esteem, body self-esteem, and just fear about losing erection. That's actually what they call performance anxiety, and it's a, a definite important factor in what causes erectile dysfunction. Now, premature ejaculation is if someone actually ejaculates sooner than they want to. It is important to know that the typical male, which I mentioned earlier, ejaculates within two to five minutes. So premature ejaculation is actually only one minute if someone goes lower than one minute. And it can be caused by diagnoses uh, that you have, other illnesses. It can be caused by the medication that you're on. It can be caused by performance anxiety. And yes, I get asked this, is it partially caused by the fact that we don't have sex that often? It can. And then delayed ejaculation is when somebody continues to have intercourse and they stay erect, but they don't have an orgasm and they just, they, or they, it takes a really long time. And age is very involved with delayed ejaculation. And if you're on an SSRI, it will cause, it can cause delayed ejaculation. Alcohol absolutely affects it. And then spinal surgeries and injuries can, age affects all of this. We're going to talk about one other piece in our next program called persistent genital arousal disorder. That's a really long name for somebody who's constantly having uh, orgasms and they don't want them and they don't they don't feel good. It's not a positive thing. It's a very pain. It's actually a pain disorder, they believe. And so we're going to talk about that because we need to talk about that in more detail at a later time. So there you have it. Some of the physiological brief explanation. I hope that was helpful, and please, please, please send in your questions. You've been listening to The Art of Intimate Marriage, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Conson. Until next time. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conson to address here on air, email her at jenniferconson at yahoo.com. Conson is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferconson at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you. And if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kanzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.